Welcome back, everybody, to another rendition of Clubhouse Talk. This is one of your co-hosts, Kylie Morrison, and uh, we welcome back the other co-host off of his Pebble Beach excursion, Joseph Mraz. How, how was the trip? How are you doing today, Joe? Uh, the, the trip was unbelievable. I mean, any, anybody who's into golf needs to go out there. It's absolutely worth the hype. Um, just unbelievable. Sad to be back, but had to happen eventually well listeners got to know what what did you shoot out there on spyglass it was a 75 and on pebble it was an 82 okay from the back tees just playing it playing it full blown we like it yeah yeah so i I played really well i felt it spyglass pebble was probably relatively average on how i'd play out there I, i feel like but uh yeah it was it was pretty sweet you're, you're telling me it's worth all the hype, though. If you're a listener out there and you've got that on your bucket list, you got to do it, right? You got to do it. I mean, the, I mean, outside of the golf, honestly, even the sightseeing, um, just around Monterey Peninsula, the amenities that they have at the resort, um, it, it's just an, it's really incredible. I mean, even if you're not, I will say if you're not a very good golfer, you probably won't enjoy playing those courses as much because they are definitely difficult. But um, even if you wanted to go out there on a trip and not be 100% golf centric, there's plenty of stuff to do um, on the resort and the the surrounding area that is just incredible. Yeah, well, let's, you know, I hope to make it out there myself one day. Um, It's definitely on my bucket list. It probably should be for any golfer. Um, it's just good to hear from, you know, word of mouth of someone that, that just, you know, just did the trip that it's worth every, every moment, every penny. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's just cool. And, and I'll just end on this, but like when you're walking on a course that you've played on a video game a thousand times and you've seen the highlights of, you know, Tom Watson chipping in on 17 tiger hitting the seven iron out of the rough on six, you know, up the cliff. And then you're like, actually like, Holy cow, like I'm, I'm here. <laughs> And, and you kind of get um, like lost in the scenery too at times because it's just like these beautiful cliffs on the Pacific Ocean and you're like, oh, I, got, I have to hit a shot now. Wow. No, I, I can see how that would be, you know, really cool because you can start to visualize and, and then you, it puts it in even more perspective of like how great those shots were by those guys. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I don't this, the Tiger one, I don't know how he did because I, I hit a three <laughs> iron on into that green and he hit a seven iron from that rough, which I'm sure is 20 times more difficult than the rough that we play out, played out of. Yeah, I don't know if they keep that rough of uh, U.S. Open rough up year round around there. No, definitely not. <laughs> At least not while I was there. Um, before we hop off the golf train, I'll, I'll go ahead and get – we didn't get to talk about this um, with, with you out, but obviously the Ryder Cup happened um, two weekends ago. Uh, thoughts on the on the USA slaughter fest it really turned into up at Whistling Straits. I mean, we talked about how great the talent was, and the talent showed up for once. Yeah, I mean, it, and and I think that's all the difference was really is just the U.S. team finally ushered out that era of guys that had been getting their teeth kicked in by the Europeans for the better part of a decade, and and brought in some young hungry talent that are so happened to be the best players in the world where now Europe, in my opinion, is kind of on the other side of the coin where the guys who had been there and been the staples and 
have been the winners are getting old and can't compete really with the the younger guys that, that just came on that you know the Morikawa's, the Burgers, um, you know the, all those guys, the Scotty Shufflers, and so now they they could potentially be in a in a more difficult situation for the next ten years. I mean I'm I'm not quite as bullish on it as uh, you know a lot of golf reporters have said because we've we've managed to have good success on home turf for a while now. It's just usually when we go overseas we get we get beat up pretty badly. So I'm, I'm interested to see in two years how we look over there before I, I say that we're really changing tides, but that was definitely a historic beat down um, no matter what happens in the next Ryder cup. Yeah. I don't, I think it, I don't think it would have mattered what course they were playing that, that weekend. If uh, the U S players just played that much better all around. So they, they made the course what they wanted to do, which was make it long, make it favor bombing the ball out there, hitting a lot of long shots in the greens. And it favored the U.S. team because we have the length. And uh, I do think all of our young guys, it makes a difference not having – what I think it makes a difference not having Tiger and Phil on the team because I think that there's just some kind of aura behind it. Like when you've got those guys there, it, it feels like it's their team, even though it happens there. And it's not really the captain's team because everyone's just looking to those guys. And they may not be the most, you know, energized, the most kind of party, young, go happy people as the guys in their 20s are, the Spees and the Thomases and those guys who've grown up together. I mean, they're, they're like us going out there, buddy buddies. Mm-hmm. They're golfers. Um, and so it's good to see that. And I think that they've seen the Europe, you know, they've seen Europe dominate recently in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. I think it kind of started to mean something to them that they know that playing the Ryder Cup means something. And maybe we look at it the same way Europeans have always made it such a huge thing of, you know, European greats. When they talk about the best European golfers, they mention their Ryder Cup record. U.S. Mm-hmm. people always talk about just major championships. That's what we like to think about. And I think with some of these guys, we're starting to focus a little bit more on, yeah, I want my Ryder Cup record to be stellar when my, when my day is done in golf. Yeah, I agree. I think it. you could just see especially Justin Thomas comes to mind, just like the, the energy a lot of our guys were playing with is usually what we see more so on the European side. Um, you know, a lot of the U.S. criticism over the years has been that they don't have the team aspect of it down. And I think this year that was, you know, obviously we had more talent, but I think that was the difference that made it not only a victory, but just a huge one is like how much they came together. I mean, you have – even Brooks and Bryson cutting it up out there who, you know, obviously don't like each other. Um, And I also think it helped removing maybe even Patrick Reed from the locker room where he's obviously not a well-liked guy by most of the players on tour, if not all of them, Um, you know, that could have helped bring the guys together a little bit. So I, I think there was just a lot of factors that came in. Steve Stricker is probably one of the most liked guys on the PGA tour, you know, throughout his, his career um, respected and it was in his home soil. So they obviously wanted to go out there and win it for him up in Wisconsin. So I think there's just so many factors that came into it that, that led to, you know, just a huge beat down. And I, I kind of, the whole time I, I was sort of like, okay, Europe's going to eventually claw back. Like, they're going to find some way to make this a match. And they just, they didn't, I mean, going into like the Sunday singles, we pretty much could have, I mean, you don't want to say mail it in ever, 
but you pretty much could have mailed it in. And they went out there three and, and a half points. Yeah. And, and we went out there and extended the lead even further in the singles. So it was, uh, it was awesome to watch. Yeah. I was, I was right there with you. I kept thinking that they would make a run eventually. I was like, yeah, they, they, they won the first session three, one. Like, okay. Well, Europe will come back in the afternoon. Well, it gets extended to, to six, two. And then you're like, well, Europe's going to make a run in one of the sessions tomorrow. Even when it was, even when it was nine, three, I thought for sure Europe had a three, one session in the afternoon at some point. I was like, they, they're just going to do it. And they never did. And, and yeah. And then as soon as, not that anyone was ever afraid on, on the singles, but I think as soon as uh, Scheffler got out to that three up through three lead um, on um, everyone was like, yeah, this is, this is out. So uh, and there was a really Rory McIlroy's emotion was really cool to see um, mm-hmm. just like how much this means to him. Uh, if you haven't seen his interviews, I, I highly encourage you to go back and uh, watch it. Kyle Porter has a great, uh, a great article for CBS Sports on it, and it was just re- the whole thing was was a perfect storm for the U.S. to be a blowout. But it was just really cool to see how everything came in together after we haven't had it for a few years. Um, and and had to wait that extra year because last year it, it just meant that much more to everyone. It, it's cool to see because it's such a rare event. Yeah, definitely. So on that we can we can go on to our, our normally scheduled uh topics which is we'll we got to jump back in into football. I know last week we did a uh, college football only episode for you guys cuz there's just there's a lot of games big games that were going to happen this past weekend and I mean I I'm not going to say it was a disappointment but obviously some of the big games that we were really really thinking about Iowa Maryland Friday night um Bama Ole Miss on Saturday Georgia Arkansas on Saturday uh, Penn State, Indiana, uh, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. I mean, a lot of these games really weren't that close. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that Alabama and Georgia are far and away the top two teams in the country. It's a pretty good question, I think, right now of which team is number one. I, I mean, do you want to? Do you have an opinion on that of of which team you think is better than the other? I know it's really split in hairs, but I mean. I, I think Alabama, just because I think coaching is going to be the great equalizer no matter what. And I just think Nick Saban's a better coach. Um, but that being said, I don't think it's this big you know, difference between the two of them. I think when they – if and slash when they end up playing each other, it'll, it'll be a fist fight the whole way. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see if – the point Nick Saban made last year about how offense wins now in college football instead of defense will hold true because Georgia's offense is, is good, not outstanding, but that defense is ungodly. They so. have a potential all-time great front seven. They have not allowed an offensive touchdown or allowed a touchdown from their first string defense the entire season at this point. Um, their backups have let up a touchdown, but first strings haven't and we are five weeks into the season they've played multiple sec teams three sec teams at this point uh, they played clemson which i know clemson's offense isn't great but still i mean it's not like it's just been terrible stuff i mean I think at some point they give up one and no one can do a thing i mean arkansas america's darling just went in there and they got curb stomped from the beginning they did absolutely nothing 
So yeah, it, it will be really interesting. I would give the nod to Georgia right now. I think I, I've been really um, kind of hesitant to, to give Georgia a nod, but I think that right now I'm going to give um, – they're pretty equal across the board other than I think Georgia's front seven is better than Alabama's front seven. I think outside of that, quarterback play, you might give a slight nod to, to Georgia or to Alabama on, but it's not that big of a difference. I don't think if you have a healthy um, – a healthy quarterback for for UGA so it's yeah it's splitting hairs but like I said it's it's very clear that you've got those two teams one and two and then there's a whole big mess there of three through eight three through ten yeah I think I think everybody after that's just trying to establish see who's who could even rival them I mean obviously you're thinking Oklahoma um, Iowa's looked good so far. Cincinnati's up there, but then you open up that power six can of worms. Um, you know, we've talked about some of the big teams that I guess, I guess Ohio State, if they went out, would sneak their way in. Um, Notre Dame will not make the playoffs this year. Um, Clemson, obviously not. So it's just this kind of oscillating, if you will, <laughs> group of, of 10 teams behind them that are trying to establish themselves as the front runners to be the picks. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of options. It's just, you look at those two teams and then you look at everybody else and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and say, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, um, we'll start with, we'll start with Cincinnati because they played, you know, fighting Irish this past weekend. And we said it a few weeks ago that um, if Cincinnati did what they needed to do, which was go on the road and beat Indiana and go on the road and beat every game, and then they continue to run the table, we both said that that was going to be a good enough resume to get in. And uh, I'm still fully on board with that, especially with the way that the landscape looks, because I don't see any way Oklahoma makes it through the Big 12 unscathed. I, Oregon just had its first loss. They kind of had a mulligan anyways to play with after beating Ohio State in a conference game. But I don't know if I have confidence in them to go an entire season undefeated. The ACC is a pile of hot mess. And then you've got the Big Ten winner, probably in Iowa or Penn State. So I see no reason why it can't happen where you can get your two SEC teams. Because I'm telling you right now, Bama and Georgia are both undefeated going to the SEC championship game. Both teams are getting it. There's no doubt about that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, so you're looking at very likely two teams in the SEC, and I think Cincinnati can take that third or fourth spot, and I think that they might be the third or fourth best team in the country this year. And my thing, honestly, and, and we talked about this going back to the end of last year, even if Cincinnati is not the best, third or best, fourth best team in the country, if they don't lose a game this season and you leave them out again, there's no point even including non-power five conference teams because, you know, they can only play the teams that are put in front of them. I don't think Notre Dame was a top 10 team this year, but I think it's certainly a top, uh, you know, 10 to 17 team, um, which is a good enough win because they have, you know, five-star talent on that, on that team. It's not an easy place to play. No, it's not. So if, if they're to go out there, beat, 
you know, Indiana, they, they played strong against Georgia last year, dating back to the bowl game, which I know we can't do this retroactive thing. I get that. I get it. But then they go in, into South Bend, they beat a Notre Dame team that has a lot of talent on it. And Brian Kelly's the most winning Notre Dame coach in history. You know, they just got out of the college football playoffs. Um, so I, I think there's no way that they can leave them out if they went out. I agree. I mean, they'll have a conference. Yes, it'll be an AAC conference championship, but they'll have, assuming they're going undefeated, they'll have a conference championship at the end of the year. Um, and it'll be against somewhat of a decent team if it's the second best team in that conference. And they've got an SMU team coming late at the end of the year. And SMU is 5-0 and right now. I'm not saying SMU is a great team, but they might be a top 30 type of football team. So I think that'll be a, a good enough resume come end of year of what you have is you went on the road, beat a Big Ten team. Granted, it's probably a middle-of-the-road team, but you beat a Big Ten team. At your place, you went on the road, you beat Ohio State, or you beat Notre Dame, top 15 team, I'm comfortable saying. And then you have, you know, that padded top 30 win, and you have a conference championship. I, I think that that will be enough at the end of the year unless – the only thing that will hurt them is if there's undefeated champions coming out of the Big 12 and the Big 10. And I guess technically the ACC, you could still get it. But um, assuming that chaos doesn't happen, then you just get all these undefeated teams. I think Cincinnati's a shoe and as long as they keep winning. Well, I'm with you. So uh, we'll talk about the, the Big 10 now. Um, you've got Iowa, who's look beyond fantastic. That defense is just just as menacing as Georgia's not, not as good, but it's, it's really freaking good. Penn state continues to impress. Um, they keep winning and they keep doing what they need to do. And then Ohio state kind of had to get right game this past weekend against Rutgers. Um, and so obviously their one loss is out of conference to Oregon. Where do you, where would you rank those three teams right now? If you had to in the big 10. Um, I, Honestly, I think the way you said them, <laughs> I think it's Iowa, Penn State, and Ohio State. I, I do not think that the Ohio State team is, frankly, worth a damn. Uh, <laughs> defensively, defensively, that team is a, a flat-out joke. Um, they gave up like 35 points to Akron two weeks ago. I, you know, it, it's just not there for them. They're, they have absolutely no linebackers. Their secondary isn't good enough to make up for the lack of linebackers. And, you know, their D-line's decent, but they, they can't stop anybody. And then on top of that, they can't put up really a, a ton of points. I mean, they've just absolutely botched it this year. And I, and I don't think – I wouldn't be surprised if they lose three games. I wouldn't either because you're right that their defense is not good and they've still got a fairly robust schedule um, the rest of the year. I mean, you look at it and they have to, they still have to play Penn state this year. They get that at home, but it's still Penn state. Um, they have Michigan state at home near the end of the year. And this is a really solid Michigan state team this year. And they've got to go all right at Michigan. And I, I'm not sold that Michigan is a top, 10 team, but I am sold that Michigan is definitely a top 20 team right now, the way they're playing. We'll find out a lot against Nebraska this weekend, I think, because uh, all Michigan does is run the ball. So I, I want to see what they do against a really good defensive front that Nebraska has. 
Um, so I, I could see easily one or two more losses for Ohio State. I don't see anyone that they undefeated the rest of the way. They've got the talent, but I don't see it with their coaching and their scheme. I think they have the talent, but I think they have their talents too young. Honestly, I think offensively they're pretty young. It's it's a shame because this is probably the best receiving core that they've had in in a few years with Garrett um, Wilson and Chris Olave kind of leading the charge there. But yeah, I just I I think this team's going to be real good next year or the following year, but not this year. I I'm with you. Um, and then yeah, I mentioned Oregon is another team. Uh, they they had their typical Oregon hiccup <laughs> every year. It seems like they just lose one game. That's just an absolute just head scratcher when you look at it. Not that Stanford's a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but you probably if you're as talented as Oregon is, you probably shouldn't lose to Stanford. So I don't know if that will remove them per se from the college football playoff contention, but it, they certainly put themselves in. Uh, with their back up against the wall. And I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to get anybody in. And frankly, I don't know if Oregon's going to make it the whole season because if they, if they are willing to have a brain fart against them, who knows who else they would have a brain fart against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, who knows, honestly. <laughs> and yeah. And then, you know, kind of last but not least, you've got Oklahoma. Like you mentioned, the Big 12, um, to find out pretty much where that where the Big 12 stands is this weekend. You got the Red River rivalry coming up. Um, them in Texas, Texas is back and feeling feeling themselves. Oklahoma still hasn't lost, but they haven't looked great in really any win other than against Western Carolina in week two. Outside of that, they pretty much look terrible. So uh, I'm excited to see Oklahoma play play a real team. Yeah, you know, to be honest, because. I, I just have a hard time believing that Lincoln Riley is that ill-prepared coming into the season. Cause I think, you know, I think you got Saban, Dabo, Lincoln Riley. And in my opinion, as your kind of three Kings of coaching college football, um, I mean, you could probably add a few other names to the list out of the sec or, you know, big 10. Um, but I think those are your three top guys. And I I'm interested to see how, how good they look against Texas. So I think that'll be really telling. I Him too. I I think if they get in a shootout, they're in a lot of trouble. This Oklahoma's defense is solid, um, and Texas has the propensity to put up a lot of points. I mean, obviously that's kind of what Stark is known for is, is being that kind of offensive genius, and that offense has been clicking as of late. I mean, they put up seventy seven against Texas Tech, seventy three or something like that. Not that long ago. So, um, really, really big game in the Big Twelve there for that. Um, I, I just. Between that game and Oklahoma at the end of the year, having to play Oklahoma State and Stillwater, I would be shocked if they got through unscathed. There's just mm-hmm. – I don't think that those teams that you've thought of the last few years, I mean, like you mentioned, Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, all the teams that we're so used to talking about the college football playoff, these teams aren't – they're not the same that we've had, which is great for college football because we're finally getting some different teams to talk about. It's great talking about these other teams in the college football I don't know if it's going to change the results in the semifinals, but <laughs> looking at who they might have to play, but I think that it's still great for the sport as a whole. I do too, because it kind of it kind of got a little redundant in the last few years, really. Um, it was it was the same five or six teams that was in the conversation every year. And 
I, I don't think that's what they were going for when they originally <laughs> drafted up the college football playoff. I, I think it's just naturally going to happen by the way college sports work, but uh, it's nice to, to be able to shake it up a little bit every year. No doubt. Um, we kind of mentioned it last week of, and I still stand by it. I think the reason why it's so different this year is once you get, you've got all these super seniors on, on teams that have come back from maybe these lower programs and then the top programs lost their top talent because they were top round picks instead of maybe mid round picks. Like some of these super seniors might have been, and it just, it narrowed up the talent gap very, very quickly. And it's what's, and, and frankly, it's what makes college football so great is that you get upsets. You know, the NFL, yeah, it happens, but doesn't happen. It doesn't feel the same in the NFL as it does in college. Though. Agreed. Because you look at it and you're like, well, these guys are all professionals. Anybody can get anybody. You're all at that top level. There is a clear talent gap when you look at some schools. So, and, and you just don't get that talent, that major talent gap in the NFL. No, you don't. I, I absolutely agree. And I think, I think that super senior point that you make was, is good. One I haven't heard, but definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it's my best explanation, I think, for why things are the way they are this year. It's, you you mm-hmm. break it down, it, it truly does make a lot of sense on it. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting. And, you know, one of the other things that I love about college football that I don't think gets talked about enough is like, yes, the playoff is so, so fun and so interesting of like who wins national championships in the field. But in the NFL, it really is only anybody cares about is who wins the Super Bowl now, so that it doesn't matter. In college, fan bases love to be able to go at each other and talk about, hey, we're the third best team in the conference, and you're the fifth best team in the conference. Like, this is something that fans will still get passionate about, even not being a champion. So there's even I, – I think that people, a lot of people don't give it enough credit in college. That's just something that makes it so unique and special. and why not winning the playoff isn't always the most important thing to every team every year. Yeah. And I think, I think college fan bases have a deeper connection to their school than NFL. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I, I went to a school that didn't have college football, but you, know, you obviously graduated from the university of Tennessee. There's, you can move no matter where you move in the world, you'll be a Tennessee fan. You know, you see a lot of, a lot of NFL fans who kind of go city to city or whatever, and your allegiance is kind of like, well, my family's from there, but you, like, you physically can hold a University of Tennessee diploma, and you walk through the same holes. You know, it's. It, I just think there's a little deeper connection um, in in college sports and professional that allows you to still pull for a team, even though you're not going to win the national title. You know, once every decade, or maybe even once every forty years, you still have your inner conference rivalries. You know, the the traditions that are more prevalent in, in college football than in the NFL as well. So I think there's just a lot of, that goes into that. No doubt about it. I think that's, um, that's really well said. So, uh, I mean, I try to not try to make this into a soapbox of what well, college football is better than NFL. <laughs> I, I, will, I will always sit there and say that co- you cannot be college football. Um, not that the NFL is bad, but there's a reason why I am, you know, I have my thoughts and my feelings and a lot of his because. I went to Tennessee and grew up around Boeing games. So I think that there's, there's the beauty of how perfect the NFL is and how tight it is, but there's just that I kind of like that you, know, you never really know if it comes to the NFL or the college. 
there's a reason college football stadiums can hold 110 fans. You're right. <laughs> 110,000, more than 100. 110,000. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we can we can kind of jump over to the NFL since we're, we're making that uh, transition anyways of and I really don't know what to think about this NFL season because it's just been it's been interesting. I, I feel like in the years past, you really had a pretty good idea of who was going to be your top teams coming into it, and it seemed to play itself out. And there are there have definitely been some surprises. Uh, the Bills, who lost week one, I would say are playing the best football of anybody right now. They've won their last three games by like 35 points apiece. Um, mm-hmm. You've got the – Somehow you've got the Kansas City Chiefs last place in their division at two and two, and all the other three teams, Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos, are all three and one. Um, all real good teams, too. All really good teams. And then your last undefeated team of any team is the Arizona Cardinals, who, uh, I mean, we said at week one that it was kind of a surprising result how well they came out and, and thumped the Titans. They look absolutely every bit. For real, I mean, they beat the Rams this, this past week, and they beat them pretty handily. So there, there have been more than a few surprises through four weeks of looking at where things have shaked out in um, in their divisions. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals have the offensive weapons, Cliff Kingsbury, and it looks like you know Kyler Murray is settling in to be a, a pretty prolific scorer um, in the NFL. So that that's definitely a a team to keep your eye on throughout the season. What a comeback story for Cliff Kingsbury. Getting fired from college and goes to the NFL and then becomes successful in the NFL. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You see that often. No, you don't. But uh, funny story, two days after the Super Bowl last year, a buddy of mine put a futures bet on the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl and put like, I want to say like $50 down to win like 6500 so uh, he's a big Cardinals fan this season. He had to, man, getting that before all those trades of uh, Hopkins and um, and getting J.J. Watt and everything. I mean, oof, good good for him. Yeah, he's uh, he's made out or well, but he could looks like out. he's he could make out. Looks like he's off to a good start though. Next time he gets a hot tip, uh, maybe he should should hop. Well, up. he's normally terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's just pretty, pretty funny. Um, you had the, the Jets won this past weekend over the Titans. Granted, the Titans were missing a lot of players, but that's still, still a surprising result at the end of the day. I mean, even with the Titans out all their players, you would think that a team as good as they are, who's trying to compete for Super Bowl should be able to get that win. And they didn't. Yeah, that, that was surprising. Um, I mean, Zach Wilson played well, but regardless Tennessee should not lose a game to the Jets like you said um I didn't didn't really catch any of the game just kind of saw the stat line um looked like it was kind of up and down how worried are you about the Kansas City Chiefs doing I mean granted their two losses have been really close losses but even their wins they haven't looked great um how worried are you about that team Mm, I'm not really I I just think that I just I have this feeling that they're still the team to beat in the NFL, um, and I think with that comes comes the target on their back. But I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to end up leading the team to victory. I mean, offensively their weapons are disgusting, <laughs> so I, I think they're 
they might not win the division, but I think worst case they'll get in the wild card. And you know, all it takes is to, just to get in. Absolutely, I mean that is the name of the game in the NFL. Yeah, there is no. I, I made a joke with you earlier about this. I mean, th- there is there's no play there's no playoff committee choosing who's getting in and who's getting out in the NFL. So you, know, you gotta just win. Doesn't matter how it looks. Doesn't matter who you have playing. You gotta just find a way to win. And then once you win, it's based off your record to get in. And then anything can happen from there because it's one game playoff. And I, I'm worried about the Chiefs' defense. They really are struggling to stop, frankly, anybody right now. But at the end of the day, you just they have playmakers on defense that seem to just show up and make turnovers or big plays at the right time and just get the stop when they need it. And then, of course, you also have Mahomes on the other side of the ball who is always – I don't know if there's anybody else who would want the ball in their hands come a little game to ever win your game type thing. So. Not many. I mean, they, they, have, they have the ingredients. It's just putting it together. I think playing in three straight Super Bowls – the regular season could feel a little insignificant for them. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's fair. I mean, you you kind of look at it, and you almost uh, it almost makes it more impressive what Brady did there in New England for so long. Is how they they never really seemed to have off you know off times that they came in and they got the job done day in and day out. And the Chiefs, there might be a little bit of that complacency um, with how young they're young and talented. I think a lot of people forget how young they are. And it's like they they've got all this taste of success at an early age. And it's like, well, why won't this happen every year? And maybe they're not, they're not putting in the effort as hard. But I, I think that Andy Reid will get them to wake up and realize what's what's going on and what they need to do. Yeah, I, I think he will as well. And uh, speaking of Brady. He had his return to Foxborough this week, in which he won nineteen to seventeen over over the Patriots. Um, Tom Brady finds a way to win. I, not, not a whole lot game wise to talk about that. Um, New England had a chance to make a game winner there at the end from fifty six and, and didn't. Um, well, but, but a heck of a kick on that though, fifty six in the rain and nailed it off the the upright. I mean, it was it was a pretty darn good kick. Um, Mac Jones was really impressive in that game. Um, Belichick had a fantastic game plan and really schemed well to throw Brady off. If there's anybody who's going to do it that way, I pride <laughs> Belichick to be the one to like really throw Brady off for the first time in a long time. Um, it was a really cool scene though, getting seeing him go back and and getting that win. He's now beaten all 32 teams in the NFL. Not a lot of quarterbacks can say that they've done that. Um, I would love to see the list of people who have. Um, Peyton Manning has done it. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I know is on that list. Because uh, the thing is, I mean, think about some of these quarterbacks that have been, you know, great in the NFL. A lot of them stay on the same team. And so you've got to go to another team to be able to beat, beat all of them. Like I said, I know Brady's – or no Manning's on that list with them. I can't think of who else is on that list. Um, it, but, yeah, so – was really imp- like I said, really impressed with the uh, with Matt Jones. He he came to play. That's not an easy position going up against Brady in his homecoming game. That he's a rookie. No, it's not. And, he held his own, and he gave him. I mean, he gave him a kick at it. Can't. He gave him hell. Yeah. Um, does Brady's kickers ever miss? I, I mean, when they have a clutch kick, and you are Brady's kicker, do they ever miss a kick? 
I can't. They better not. One. <laughs> they better not. I mean, like, it's unreal. The guy just, I can't ever think of Brady ever leading a charge in a late game situation and a kicker missing it for him. It's just, it always, always make it. Doesn't matter if it's a 35 yarder or 55 yarder. If it's Brady's kicker, I'm putting my money on that kick. They won't be kicking on that team much longer if they do. Right. I, it's probably pretty scary knowing that, you know, you got to go face Tom Brady if you miss that kick. That's probably not something you want. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I would liken that to a, a caddy missing a read for Tiger. <laughs> oh, yeah. That that would not be a, a, a pretty thing if Joe LaCava uh, told Tiger, hey, it's, it's outside left and that punt breaks right. That wouldn't be a very fun conversation. Um, so we'll we'll finish it up here with with Braves talk of um, I don't want to say I told you so to all of our listeners, but um, me and Joe told you so all season. We said at the beginning of the year that night that not, nobody in this division was going to win ninety games. We said that nobody in this division was winning the wild card. You were you're going to get in the playoffs. You had to win the division. Uh, we talked about the, the pitching, that it, it was going to write itself out. Max Reed was going to get himself right and had the best ERA in the second half of any pitcher um, in the National League. We said Freddie Freeman would get himself on track. He hit 300 for the year. And said, we said that online, we said that um, when it came to the deadline, that they were going to have to get some bats to fill out the holes because they didn't have enough offensive power. And they go out and they get Duvall and they get Solaire. Uh, and Rosario and Jock Peterson and all those guys have done is come over here and just mash home runs for the team. <laughs> I, I mean, we we pretty much saw a lot of this, and granted, it came down a little bit closer than we wanted, but this Brace team is playing its best baseball right now. Um, you know, they go out there to on that brutal road trip where you have uh, San Francisco, San Diego, and uh, – I think they had a one and a half game lead maybe when they went out there or maybe it was, the thing was three and a half and they lost the first two games or, and then they won that Sunday game against San Fran. And then from there, they just went on a, on a tear. They won three out of four against San Diego or against the Dimebacks. And then they swept San Diego aside from the delayed suspended game, which they lost, which I'm not even counting into it. And then they come home and they swept the Phillies to win the division. Yeah, they've um, they've done pretty good, and we got a good draw, I think, against the Brewers. Um, so, who knows? I'm excited. You couldn't ask for a better draw for the Braves. Yeah. <laughs> you think about the teams and who they would have to play. Clearly, the Giants and the Dodgers are both incredible teams. Um, two, 100, 107 wins for the Giants, 106 wins for the Dodgers. The first time a team has ever won 100 games and not won their division in MLB history. Um, and then the Dodgers get the great fortune of playing the St. Louis Cardinals in a wild card game and a one game wild card, which I think any Braves fan and most baseball fans know that there's not many teams that you want to play in a wild card. And the Cardinals are most definitely not one of them because they just put on these stupid runs and they're, they are the hottest team in baseball. They just came off a 17 game winning streak in the month of September. I actually yeah. tell what, what to play them. No, I mean, we got, we are playing the weakest possible matchup in the division yeah and it's fantastic the brewers lost their second their setup man um Devin williams pulled a wascari noah and punched 
punched a, I think he punched a wall, maybe not instead of punching a bench, but punched a wall and broke his hand. So that's a really big plus. Um, Josh Hader probably will have to start pitching two innings now. I'm going to guess is what they'll do, or they'll go to Brax or, or Brad Boxberger. Um, I'm not sure how much they want to trust him in the eighth. So I, I think if the Braves want to make it far in the playoffs, it's going to rest on their, their pitching is, I'm not worried about the starting pitching. Morton free to Anderson can go up against anybody's three and mm-hmm. they're going to need their offense to be there because you're going to get six innings at the bullpen and they sure as hell better have a lead by the time that they, they get to their bullpen. I'm still worried about ours giving up runs. They need to have a three run lead by the time they get the ball to Will Smith. Minimum two. Would yeah. Prefer three. Um, but no, I mean, you're exactly right. We'll, we'll need the offense to be cooking and just hope there's a big enough cushion for the bullpen. I mean, it's, it's really simple. Um, I think this team's definitely surpassed my expectations. Even after the trade deadline, I think they look a lot better than I even thought they would once they acquired these pieces. I mean, they're deep. Um, they all have power. They all have had clutch hitting as well as the season's going on. Um, I think they fit, have meshed very well. Um, I guess that's the right term, but um, culturally with, with the Braves and uh, I'm, I'm excited for this team. I think it, it it's kind of like a good underdog story because they, you know, you lose your best player for the, the remainder of the season when he tore his ACL in Ronald Acuna. I mean, they lost Travis Darno for a good while. Um, you know, we had hoped that Mike Soroka would be back around this time. Maybe he will be back this time next year. Um, so it they they went up against – oh, not to mention your power bat that you signed in the offseason. Hey, you lose Azuna for three quarters of the year? Locked up. Um, so they – they overcame a lot this season and end up winning a very difficult and highly contested division for 162 games, basically, which hasn't happened incredibly often. No, um, they're kind of playing with house money a little bit. I know that a lot of, I know that we came into the season expecting to win the division, but with everything that happened, one, you could tell how much this would meant to the players in their post game when they clinched of listening to sticker and all the players you could tell how hard and grinding of a season this was to, to do it with everything that they went through. And I think that it mean, it, it gets left them in this, like you said, a little bit of the underdog and this, this house money thing of like, well, we're without Acuna, so no one really expects us to go far. And so if we go far, then great. But if we don't, then, oh, well, because no one expects us to go far. So it, it's a really good position compared to maybe someone like the Brewers who's Whose pitching has been so good, and they're talking about oh, they could match up against the Dodgers one, two, three in rotation, and they've got all these expectations, and, and you might be able to, to kind of throw them off their game a little bit that way, just because um, what do you have to lose? It, it's like being right. the second team in a wild card. Uh, it's like what the Cardinals will face, be when they face the Dodgers. You know, no one expects them to win that game, but you know what? I sure as heck wouldn't be surprised. It's one game and it's baseball. Yeah, I mean, Adam Wainwright's a timeless wonder. And not and Max Scherzer hasn't been, I mean, the most dominant person of all time this season. Um, his last couple starts, he got roughed up, and so I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals came in the game and won that. Um, 
it just would make baseball hilarious having a, a team as good as the Dodgers not even make it into the, the true full playoffs. But um, yeah, it would. I think there's a lot of guys in the Braves team that deserve praise that won't get it, like you know Heredia, Monte, who kind of were big pieces to hold us around 500 when it looked like Rome was collapsing, but probably weren't even going to be in, in the lineup this year uh, had it not been for the you know ridiculous circumstances. But they it's well. amazing the con- the contributions they've gotten on this team, and then what Anthopolis got at the deadline for what he gave up. If he's not executive, MLB executive of the year, I don't know who is. But I mean, for what he did at the deadline, absolutely deserves everything to, to be able to withstand what they did. And by no means am I predicting a Braves World Series run, but we've counted them out all year. And I'm kind of just ready to see if the, they've had the postseason experience the last couple of years. They know what it's going to feel like. Um, let, let's see what happens with it. Yeah, you know, who knows? The last time we won four straight division titles, we we did do it. So, <laughs> granted, if I'm not mistaken, we were the favorites, but hey, that's just a minor detail. <laughs> but um, well, it'll depend on matchups and everything. Obviously, um, I think if the Braves had to face the Dodgers in a championship series, that would be a monumental task for this team to up and the Dodgers in a four games in a seven game series. But I think that they could do it against the Giants. They played them really well the whole year. Um and they played obviously I think that they can hang with the Brewers. And I think that they can beat the Brewers. So I think that they could do it with the Cardinals. I wouldn't want to face them, but I think that they could beat them in a seven game series. So basically anybody but the Dodgers, I think the Braves would legitimately have a chance to get through. So, I agree. This is going to be a really exciting MLB postseason because you've got – I mentioned it a couple times. Cardinals, Dodgers tomorrow, Wednesday night, um, 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Wainwright, Scherzer, Dodger Stadium will be electric. And then tonight, um, I hope that everyone – that you probably – the game will be over by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure. But you got Red Sox-Yankees in a wild card game, which is just going to be stupid fun. Uh, the history in that series and those two teams getting to go up against each other. Uh, and then the other, the other series over there is going to be Astros and White Sox. Um, Astros who have been there for forever, uh, year over year, they continue to win their division. And the White Sox, who are an extremely talented team and extremely, they're Braves esque, but they're bullpen. I was just going to say, they're the Braves of the AL. Yeah, except their bullpen's really good. So it's a lot like our team last year, is really what the White Sox are. Um, mm-hmm. Super deep bullpen, maybe not the greatest starting pitching, but a lot of young, fun energy on that team. On the yeah. so, absolutely good deal. Um, so yeah, you got you got anything else here, Joe? Are we gonna we're gonna go ahead and let everyone get on out of here? Uh, that's all I got. righty. Um, well, hopefully by the next time we uh, we talk to you, I we Joe and I will be attending. The Braves postseason um, game on on Monday the 11th. Let's let's hope that we have some some good news. It'll be Game Three of the playoffs. We'll uh, we'll flex our uh, our podcast time next week for you guys, depending upon if there's a Game Four on on Tuesday. Uh, the on Tuesday the 12th might have to record on Wednesday on the, the postseason series, obviously. But, yeah, uh, we'll see. 
hopefully we got a lot of good news to talk about and we're going to be some, some pretty elated people talking about an NLCS next time we get on here. I'm right there with you. All right. Well, we'll let it out of here with, with as always, go Braves. Go Braves. Thank you.